Chapter 14. You take the high road, I'll take the low road, and I'll get into trouble before you. Several hours later, in the middle of Ajiba Woods, Tim Bradley's satchel, the one with all his chocolate, flew away and splashed into the center of a quicksand pool. It sank without a trace. Tim, who had just fallen flat on his face after tripping over a root in the path, watched all this with a horror-approaching panic. His chocolate, his lovely chocolate, all his Hershey bars were in that sack. And his M&Ms, the M&Ms with peanuts too, just the ones he'd been craving. All his chocolate was gone. Something wretched inside of him. He felt like screaming, but he couldn't let it out. Simon would hear him. Simon had taken Tim aside and told him that maybe he was eating far too much chocolate bars to be good for either his nerves or his health. Tim had asked him if Simon thought he were his mother, for goodness sake, and Simon had said no, but as leader on this quest, he felt that he should point these things out. Deep down, Tim Bradley knew that Simon was right. Simon had pretty quickly figured out that Tim was hooked on this stuff, and that it wasn't particularly good for him. So Tim had agreed he wouldn't have another candy bar for two hours. So, of course, one hour later, he had desperately craved one, and he'd snuck off behind some trees and... Well, he'd lost all his chocolate. And things had been going so well, too. Miss Perkins, the lady custodian of Berkeley Mansion, had told them she'd had a vision. Their next destination would be Rover Mansion. But how, pray tell, they asked, would they get to Rover Mansion since they had no map? Go to the town of Veros, the woman said. One of the gentlemen in the resistance movement will sell you a special dagger. Also, there was a chain whip available. This chain whip would come in very handy, Miss Perkins had promised them. Simon had no idea what a chain whip was, but when they went to Veros and found the man and bought it, he was quite pleased. The chain was actually a specially plated material, very strong, with almost a magical feel to it. The dagger was very nice as well. A shiny silver thing. They checked the signpost to see where they were going next. The signpost had directed them to Algeba Woods. There they had discovered a wall that shone most magically. I have to check this, Simon had said, which was okay by Tim, since he felt like resting anyway. Simon found it impossible to cross the wall on his own, so he tried splashing with the holy water, the tactic that had been so helpful back at Berkeley Mansion. It worked. The wall had fallen down. Beyond it had been a glowing fire in a dish. A sacred flame, Simon had cried. Something I'd hoped we'd come across. Simon relit their torches from the sacred flame and told Tim that he felt much less tempted under its light, which was okay with Tim since he was tired of keeping track of the hero's odd mood swings. So here they were, Aljiba Woods, and everything was absolutely hunky-dory, except for the fact that Tim had just lost his chocolate. Timothy, cried Simon Belmont from the trail that the signpost had called Dobby's Path. Timothy Bradley, where are you? Over here, cried Tim, picking himself up and dusting himself off. He hurried back onto the path. Simon was anxious to keep moving. We've still got a lot of Dracula's body parts to find, he said, and very little time in which to do it. Together they set off again through the night. Imagine, thought Tim, me, the chocolate freak, in a land without chocolate. Ah oh well, he just had to live without it, if you could call it living. The town of Algeba looked much like the other towns they had visited in Castlevania, except that maybe it was darker, maybe it was dirtier, maybe it felt like the spirit of Dracula was even more in control. All in all, it made Tim happy that this flame that was lighting their path was sacred, 
for Aljibba felt absolutely evil. Just over here, I think, called Simon. He stepped quickly down the cobblestones, holding up his torch. The illumination showed a sign depicting a vampire with long fangs, pointed ears, and a bat on his shoulder, and a red no sign stamped over him. The ye old NT vampire shop, Simon explained. Come in with me, Tim. We'll get some things we need here. Um, don't you think that this is the one place that Dracula will be sure will go? I mean, he'll have a trap or something set up, right? No, he despises the things that are kept inside. And besides, the owner will be the one person in Algiba who will be openly defiant of Dracula's rule. Come, hurry, Timothy. There is absolutely no time to waste. Simon went through the door. A bell tinkled. Thinking it a trap, Tim jumped. He was ready to run, but then he realized, hey, a tinkling bell when you go into a shop is perfectly normal. Cool it, pal. He went through the door. He found himself inside a shop that smelled of a curious blend of tobacco, vinegar, spices of various sorts, and, most strongly, of garlic. On the wall were displayed crosses of various sizes and shapes, some wooden, some silver, and some made of other stuff. The place looked like an Italian deli, what with all the strings of garlic bulbs stretched around the room. Other stuff hung hither and thither, none of which Tim recognized. Whatever they were, it followed that they must have something to do with getting rid of vampires. The shop was warm and cozy, and Simon had been right. Tim felt safe here. This was like an oasis of safety in a desert of danger. "'May I help you?' asked a suspicious voice. "'Edward, my good friend,' said Simon. "'Do you not recognize me?' "'Simon? Simon Belmont?' A big man dressed in a frayed top coat stepped from the darkness of the back room. He wore a plaid scarf around his neck even though the room was toasty warm, and he had looked at them from above half-frame reading spectacles. He held out a long, hairy hand, but then, suddenly he pulled it back. Wait a minute. Are you not aligned now with that demon Dracula? I am the person who vanquished him. I have heard that you struggle yet with his infection, growled the man in a bear-like gruff voice. There is no way of telling whether or not you have succumbed to this domination. His presence floats now everywhere. Old friend, how would I be able to last 15 seconds in a garlic soup of this atmosphere? The man's wide face split into a grin, showing yellow teeth. Your logic is irrefutable. I wish we had time for game of chess, yes? I'm afraid there are matters of far more gravity than chess, my friend, said Simon. But allow me to introduce you to my new friend. Simon introduced Tim, who was surprised to be swept up in a great big garlicky bear hug. Anyone who is a friend to the great hero of Castlevania, Simon Belmont, is a friend of mine, said the burly man. My name is Edward Farquhar. Simon quickly filled Edward in on their adventures. We were told by Miss Perkins when we left the Berkeley mansion that we would most definitely need lots of garlic and lots of laurels, and I knew exactly where to get it all. You have come to the right place for the garlic laughed Edward Farquhar. But as for the laurels, I can't say. I'll have to dig deep into my supply room. May I ask why laurels? They are a symbol of victory, and that seems a long way away, if I may say so. The power of positive thinking, piped Tim. Both Castlevanians looked at him as though he were from another dimension. Which was okay, Tim guessed, because he was. Well then, said Edward Farquhar, becoming serious. Perhaps I'd better go and see about those laurels. With no further ado, he turned around and walked into the darkness of the back room. A light flicked on, and Tim could hear the big man grunting as he rummaged through packages and stored materials galore. 
Gee, said Tim. I hope he's got some laurels. Miss Perkins was very specific. You're going to need laurels, she said. Most definitely laurels. I have every confidence in my friend, said Simon. If there are laurels to be had anywhere in Castlevania, it is in this shop, Tim said. Whatever you say, I just... Suddenly, a teddy bear sailed through the opening, bouncing against the opposite wall and landing face up, button eyes staring up at Tim. Immediately afterward, a stuffed giraffe followed its cloth cousin. Then, immediately afterward, a stuffed koala bear. What does he have back there, Tim said. A kitty zoo? Oh, which reminds me, Simon. Who is beautiful, gray, and wears a glass slipper? Tim, I hardly think Cinder Elephant. I don't understand. Come on, come on. You've heard the story of Cinderella and the glass slipper. I mean, you could have been Prince Charming yourself, Simon. Simon blinked. Prince Charming? Never mind. You really are no fun, you know? This is not a fun situation, Timothy. My very soul is at stake, to say nothing of the future of my beloved Castlevania. Tim felt the definitive craving for chocolate. Now. All this seriousness, and especially all this garlic, were getting to him. However, his sinking feelings were interrupted by yet more objects hurled from the back room. Katzooks! Simon cried to Edward Farquhar. Where did you get all this stuff? Farquhar stuck his big head out. In truth, I do not know. When I inherited this shop, much of what I own now was already here. I attempted to catalog it, but... But what does this have to do with vampires? asked Simon impatiently. Absolutely nothing. But isn't it neat? Edward, said Simon in a chastising manner, we really do need those laurels. Oh, yes, of course, right away, laurels. The head ducked back into the back room. A minute more and it poked back outside. I think I have what you're looking for here, Simon. He brought out a handful of branches from a laurel tree. Astonishingly fresh for sitting around these past few centuries, I must say. I never noticed them before. They were sitting on top of this mirror here. I must say, I hadn't noticed the mirror either. He pulled it out. It was a rolling mirror. A great oval golden thing. And its glass was cloudy, just like the signpost back in Castlevania. Cloudy and getting cloudier. Great murky billowing puffs of gray were boiling across its surface. And then Tim noticed that a face was becoming visible in the mirror. Simon, Tim said. Look, I think we have company.